What up, Fatherhoods Nation? If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. They've got ill creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Not only that, but Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and all that. You can make a little paper from your podcast too with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one spot. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Yo, be a father. If not, why bother, son? A boy can make him, but a man can raise one. Be a father to your child. Be a father to your child. Yo, what's up? This is Manny Digital, <laughs> and we're here. Welcome back to the Fatherhood Podcast. Yeah. Where'd you get that smooth voice from? Come on, baby. I used to do radio, okay? You didn't know this? Uh, nah, you didn't do radio. What'd you do radio? Here in New York, FM station. You see why Z these balls? Tito. It was like I W did. balls, W balls. <laughs> so, so uh, how was y'all's week? So far, not too bad. Well, I, I don't know. Somebody almost wanted to do an emergency podcast. I did. Oh, that's right. Okay. I did. So <laughs> we had a AG we probably... set the precedent for emergency podcast therapy. <laughs> yeah, I was very close to uh, to calling in for sure. Um, what you know, it was like a series of events. I think it's just due to like my son, like being in kindergarten and being a new thing. But it it was, and he's ne- he's always usually pretty happy and a good mood and all that kind of stuff. And then all last week, it just seemed like there was uh, multiple meltdowns that I wasn't used to, and it was almost like, wait a second, who? These look, you know, this looks like teenager type, <laughs> you know, behavior and shit, which oh. was, but it was bugging me out. And then we had that that night. I forget what night it was. We were having a, you know, picked him up from school, had a great day, picked up some pizza. Okay, you know, we were ready to 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 have dinner and then something like really just like something small happened i forget what it was but then like he ended up pushing a plate across the table on some like he was pissed (laughs) i'd never seen him do that before Hmm. and then you know then the shit just started hitting the fan with uh you know us talking to him and then like he got just like super mad, and then then we made the mistake of asking like, "All right, what are you really thinking right now?" Because oh, <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, so that was eye opening. I'm not gonna get into exactly what he <laughs> said, but but it was <laughs> it was surprising that you know he could be that young, but like be thinking thoughts like that. Well, like, I mean, you got to get us some well, kind like, of insight. For, like, for, yeah, like, come on, right, keep so, us in the dark. So, <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> so for, I mean, it's not horrible, but it just goes to show, like, even when they're young, when they get mad, like, they've got those feelings, and they sometimes right. they don't understand, like, you know what I mean? So, I don't know. We we were getting on him about it, and like, he was having a, a meltdown or a breakdown, and then we tried to like pull it back around and try to figure out what you know like what the root of it what was going on but he was still mad he was basically you know we're trying to talk him out of it and he's still just like you know can i leave the table now i just don't want to talk to anyone i'm just i'm mad you know i'm and we're like no you got to stay you gotta stay here you know we're 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 still eating we're not done yet and then um and then my wife said you know you know we love you well you know that just kind of like reinforced try to say something positive to him right and then we started talking to him and just trying to get into his head because he was not like you could just see the anger in his face. And, you know, we said, all right, no consequence. Just tell us what you were thinking. Like, and he's like, well, very hesitant. You sure I'm not going to get a consequence? It's a bad word. And I'm like, no, mm. no, that's OK. And he goes, well, you know, when you said you love me and. You know, I was thinking you're stupid, <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> among other things. <laughs> so, and then, then especially to my wife, like that really hurt her feelings. And I mean, I already knew he was mad at me. It was more so directed at me, but she kind of caught the because I was being right. more the the 
disciplinarian at that moment. So right. I knew most of it was it was directed at me, but she ended up catching catching it yeah. just because she was agreeing with me, you know. Um, right. Collateral damage. Yeah, basically. So then she, you know, then she ended up getting visibly upset because you know it's a, mm-hmm. like a shock to hear your this this little guy who's always so loving, and all of a sudden he's got these you know not so loving feelings. And then once right. he saw that she was visibly upset. Then he lost his shit, <laughs> right? He's fucking crying. Oh, I'm sorry, Matt, no. okay. like yeah, just oh. like once he realized that, I guess he realized the power of words and how you could actually make people feel. And when he saw that he visibly made my wife feel bad, that and then all of a sudden that made him feel really bad. And you know, it was like life-shattering like oh shit maybe i maybe she's not gonna like me anymore you know that kind of thing and then and then he just lost it for for i don't know it must have gone on for an hour of just trying you know so shit yeah so and that that was like one afternoon you're saying that was yeah yeah well we had a couple incidents like throughout the week which was okay which was not typically normal we hardly ever have any issues with him but then there were just weird things would like set him off. Like we'd be doing a bunch of fun stuff and then something wouldn't go his way at the end of the day and something mm-hmm. he wanted to do and then he'd lose it. And I'm looking at him like, you know, you need got to learn to appreciate everything great that just happened and right. roll with the punches and, you know, that kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, it was it was interesting. So you were mad. Yeah, I was gonna say. So you you were mad stressed. Yeah, definitely definitely felt stressed out. How does how does a stressed KGB look? Um, pretty I much like, pretty much like that. a non stressed. I've seen you stressed. <laughs> I've, seen, yeah. I've seen him stressed. Yeah. Well, you guys you guys actually work together in the same right. building. But um, yeah. no, it was more so. It was more. I wasn't like it wasn't it wasn't actually stressed as perplexed and kind of like damn. Oh. The, you know. Are we taking a turn here? We're gonna start seeing more of this kind of shit, like, right? You know what I mean? Because I guess just with kids, man, every the change they change so quickly and drastically with the more that they're learning or the more that they're interacting in different situations and whatnot. So, um, yeah, it was it, it was different. You, you said you um you were the disciplinarian in that situation. I'm curious to know what does discipline look uh. Like how's it how has it been like the process of of disciplining your son and like what what approaches do you take? Um, I mean we're pretty we try to talk things through. I mean, you know, there's consequences and things like that. So I mean, you know, we can give some warnings, but then if if it gets past the warning stage, then we will um, you know <clears throat> whether it's take away your bike, take away your whatever privileges to do something, um, just so he knows that there's a consequence to an action. Um, but it's almost like uh, we generally try to have one of us be, you know, in a certain situation, be the one who's being vocal about it. So it doesn't... The good cop, bad cop? Yeah, a little bit, but not necessarily on his... You know, the good cop's not necessarily on his side, you know. It's, right. It's, it just means that... The, both just not us, double teaming. Yeah, both of us don't have to be feel. banging his head like with right. back and forth because that could be a little too much, you know. What what um <laughs> what age did you start to to implement any kind of discipline that you saw that it was he he even understood what it was? Um, I don't remember to be honest with you, but because I mean we like we haven't had too much too many issues with him, but I mean I think. I think maybe when he's two to three, like when there's when they start, at least when he started having, like being able to carry conversations and you know and right. you can kind of reason with them more in terms of, don't do this or this is going to happen and you know that kind of thing. Okay. Yeah. That that's it, that tends to work like the, the good cop bad cop but well I call it neutral cop bad cop because when they see a yeah, they do get pissed off, but when they see that you're both like on that the kid about a particular thing, it tends to make them feel like, all right, damn, I fucked up. But I I'm victim of this all the time, and my my 
strategy has changed dramatically because when my wife would get tight and she she's the one that has the most patience i got a short fuse so i'm the kind that's like all right look i'm gonna tell you once i'm gonna tell you twice but if i had to tell you a third time you know there's gonna there's gonna be some serious shit going down and and i had to stop like ganging up on the kids because you see i mean it it gets scary because you got everybody screaming at you at the same time like you're like they crawl up and they're like all right i don't know what to do and they start panicking so i i I just shut up and let my wife do what she needs to do and then when you know things calm down i'm like yo you you got your mom pissed off and they know when they get mom pissed off like they really cross the line but you know what the discipline thing is also as much as it's a learning experience for them it's uh, you know it's for us as well if we if we care to look at it that way cuz right. cuz like looking back you know at looking back at <clears throat> this particular scenario now that I'm thinking about it it's you know it, it was something as simple as he was messing with a plate and we told him not to do it and you know then snatched it out of his hand and then replaced it with a plastic plate and I was like, oh, you're going to use the baby plate now. And that pissed him off, like, because I'm uh, shaming him. You know what I mean? Right, right, um, right, right. So, in turn, then he does something. So, there's always, <laughs> you know, this. So, it, it's like, okay, how can how can I be a better parent? I mean, still, you have to lay down the law in terms of what's acceptable. And it's like, if you get mad about something, you know, he's got words. He can learn to use his words and explain, you know, what he's doing as opposed to shoving, <clears throat> shoving a plate, that kind of thing. Um yeah. But as a parent, it's like, what, you know, what can I be more mindful of so that I don't necessarily create situations? Not that I'm trying to walk on eggshells, but, you know, I could I can learn to be smarter and approach things differently so that it doesn't spark off a situation or, you know, make someone feel a certain way. Because at the end of the day, you know, just like, and you know, I, I, you do something to piss someone off, you know, the same way you, yeah, do, you, you piss you a provoke kid. it. Yeah, exactly. Right, but do do you guys ever think that um, maybe maybe more our generation that we're overthinking the parenting and the and how the kids feel? Because I just feel like the gener- you know, like our generation. It means when I say our generation, I mean us parenting. But when our generation as being children with our parents and then their parents and going back further back they didn't they were just like which meaning right. i'm the one that runs shit here yeah and they didn't sit here and go i wonder you know psychologically how does this all pan out they just gave you the chancleta the belt they whooped your ass you know and it almost seems like people were you know as a to- as a whole were more or children were more well behaved at least it seems that way in retrospect maybe i'm wrong well i think the difference is we're not uh, it's not like we're having these conversations with the kids themselves like well right, you know right. if i hadn't pulled that plate from your hand <laughs> you know that kind of thing no i know we're, but we're, i mean do you think your parents had these conversations i mean I or, or I grandparents don't, i don't, I don't think don't, they did. i don't know i don't th- i think a lot older school folks don't didn't necessarily have these conversations oh, um care. but i think um just as like wanting to learn from myself like being able to be introspective and kind of think about now whether or not to act on them or you know change my way of parenting or change my discipline tactics i still don't you know we probably do more we probably talk about it more and like you're saying but i don't necessarily know if that's a bad thing i think it's just you know no i definitely don't think it's a bad thing i'm just wondering where's the balance in the heavy hand yeah. of the old school and yeah. the conscious understanding of psychology and and how you know things you know I, th- I think essentially if you can have a heavy hand mentally with a with a kid so that they you know so you know you lay down the law and for the most part your your voice is the law and that they listen to you then you know you've 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 made an impact and you know you might need to tweak things internally as to how you get to that point but uh you know still having strict guidelines and you know having some strict things to follow and then figuring out how to get your kids to adhere to that stuff and, and uh, figuring out sorry to I'll go go go, go. Second, but in it's um it's also figuring out the individual like case by case i'm yeah, sure because exactly i'm sure the heavy hand one one adult might say, thank God my parents were so heavy-handed with me because I would have gone this route. And then the other kid that got heavy-handed turned into a psychopath. Oh, yeah. And decided to, you know, 
kill squirrels and skin them and then later on in life become a mass murderer. No, I look, I, yeah, look at some of the kids that are like, <laughs> you know, some that, of his That some sounds of his like one of your hobbies. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just looking at like some of his classmates, I can look at and some that are just acting crazy. I'm like, ah, you know, they need a different type of discipline than, right. <laughs> than you know what I mean? So, I think, yeah, everyone's different. It, but it, it kind of goes back to you know the the underlying theme here i think and it's it's communication right, right? so right. i think that i think that's a major part of this and it's one that i could say from my personal experience as a child wasn't one that was utilized very very well by my parents and other parents of you know friends of mine and not not to say that they didn't communicate but when they got frustrated they turned to action or you know loud voices and reprimand versus like let's try to figure this out and so I'm I'm still guilty of that. Like I I will quick I'll, I'll be quick to like scream after I hit a certain point. And I find <laughs> now as an adult and I'm sure as a kid I made a whole gang of noise you know in and around my neighborhood. But now as an adult when the loud noise is excessive I go nuts. And I'm like but I catch myself all the time now cuz I'm like yo chill. They're kids, they're running around. You're in a like luckily now I live in a house, a private house. When I was growing up, I lived in an apartment building. So if I'm making noise, the neighbor downstairs is hearing it, mm-hmm. and potentially the neighbor upstairs. So my mother would always say, "Lo vecino, lo vecino," <laughs> like you know the neighbors, the neighbors. And that was like that was she didn't want to disrespect their sanity and sanctity in their places. So we were like tiptoeing everywhere. So for for me now, I still have that ingrained in me, and I it annoys me. But I gotta let these kids roam free because I mean, there's no real harm in it. But, right. but side note, I did say, "Yo, well, I'm recording a podcast. You better shut the fuck up." <laughs> so, <laughs> well, why don't we do this? We get, we actually got a guest today as well. Our so, first guest on yep, fatherhood, since we're talking about uh, discipline, and he's he's a fairly new father as well. Why don't we bring him in and on this conversation? Sounds good. good. All right. Yes, indeed. All right. So, yeah, we got our first guest on Fatherhoods. We got Static Selecta, DJ producer. Hey. What's up, Static? (laughs) Make some fatherhood noise. (laughs) 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 Oh, yeah. We should cue up the baby sound. (laughs) Right. The the rattler. (laughs) Rattler is whatever you call them. I'll give you the real thing if you want. (laughs) (laughs) How old? Daddy, how, how old is your daughter? She's three years old now. She's three. Okay. So we were talking. Oh, go ahead, man. No, no, I was going to say, no, now we're talking about baby noises. I mean, it's not quite baby noise. You, you're getting full on, like, conversational screams. Full and attitude, full yeah. back talk. <laughs> so we were talking about uh, discipline a little bit because I had a couple meltdowns with my son last week that were surprising, that were out of his nature. And uh, then we got on the topic of, like, how we all kind of approach discipline or how we were disciplined as kids. I mean, what's, what's your thought on, on, on discipline and have you had to deal with that much with your daughter? We're dealing with it every day right now. Cause she's like, she's testing us to see what the boundaries are. So just a little while ago, I had to like put her in timeout and, you know, try to get down to her level and look her in the eye and be like, this is what you did wrong. Sit in the corner and she doesn't want to. And then if she tries leaving timeout during that minute, we make her go back in and then she has a, you know te- she throws temper tantrums sometimes but um you know it's hard because sometimes they do like really crazy things that you like you like you know start thinking what the limits are of, of uh punishing because when i was a kid like i only my mother used to like go in on me physically like not on not on some like you know she was a little woman so it wasn't a big deal cuz like i was a growing teenager when she when she used to discipline me but <laughs> was, like my my only memories of like my father ever like being physical at all i was probably like 3 4 years old and he like he like got me going up the stairs one time and he never touched me again the rest of his life and that that was like one time was enough to like scare the like any idea of talking back to him out of me for like my whole life you said he he stopped and do you think that he thought he took it too far at that point and was like, not, all right, I'm good? Not, not even. I think he just, like, he, like, I never, like, dealt with him getting that upset in my life at that point. I just, like, oh. the memories I had as a little kid, like, he, like, got me going up the stairs. He didn't, like, hit me in the face or anything, but I, he might have got my leg or, like, hit me on the butt or something. But I remember being so terrified that I, like, never talked back to him ever again. 
That, okay. That's what we were kind of talking about. We were saying like the old school heavy hand approach. Yeah. And even our parents who, you know, who still use the belt or the chancleta or whatever versus yeah. now we're like kind of like we th- we kind of overthink it. Like we're not necessarily I mean, at least everybody so far on, on this podcast, we're all like not really thinking about we're going to first thing we're going to do is hit our kids. So that's kind of like what we're saying, like, what's the balance of, like, because it seemed like the old school approach did kind of work, you know. In the, putting, putting fear in them doing it is one thing, but it's like, you know, like, the the furthest we've gone in this house is really, like, you know, when she's done, like, the, you know, something extremely bad, like, you know, like, purposely poured, like, strawberry syrup on the white couch or something like that. Like, <laughs> oh. definitely, like held her hand down and hit her hand like pretty hard just to like scare her. Like, you know what I mean? And it works sometimes, but it's like, I don't like that, that mentality. Cause then when she gets mad, she like thinks she can hit other, like, right. other, like, you know, it gets, it's different having a girl. Cause with a boy, it's like, you know, you kind of raise them to be tough. But with a girl, it's like, you want, I don't, I'm still figuring out, you know what I mean? Right. No, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm right behind you. I have a, a four-month-year-old daughter, so four-four-month-year-old. So I, I got <laughs> you I got, got a, you got a little ways to go before you deal with it, like on that level. But like I've said a million times, if I had a boy and and he did what like she done a couple times, like he would definitely catch it. <laughs> I, mean, I, I, so I, like, I want to raise a boy to be like tough and be like ready for it. Like you don't want to do that with a little princess, you know what I mean? That's the pro. That's kind of the problem though, because I have I have two girls and a boy my boy's in the middle so wh- what you just said actually rings true because my daughter my youngest she's two when she starts to wild out you know it's it's a it's a conversation for the most part yeah. when my son wilds out and, and so he's five so he he already understands certain things that he shouldn't do but he and boys tend to be this way is what i keep hearing from parents he wants to stretch the boundaries beyond what the girls would dare to do and so when he does it, he, he gets the psycho face, right? And so the conversation is like grit, you know, chomp, you know, clo- clenched mouth and practically cursing at him is kind of how it goes down. But but it's 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 tough because you you're right. You want him to be kind of tough and and grow up, you know, to be a, a man's man, you know, yeah. so to speak. But you, you know, <laughs> sometimes you want to beat the crap out of him. But you know, I I noticed in the long run, I've People that I know that are siblings that are, you know, boys and girls, even my cousin who's who, you know, she would always say as we got older that I was given more leeway as a boy in the family versus her. You know, I wonder if that's, you know, kind of like the the, the the tit for tat, like, you know, you want to you want to be more you want to raise your boys tough. But then later on, then the girl, you, you know, you, you tighten you know, you tighten her in the noose so she doesn't do as much as and then you let the boy run free. I wonder if that happens, you know. Yeah, it's, it's hard. I grew up an only child. Like, I have a half-brother and a half-sister, but they're both, like, over 20 years old than me, so I never really grew up with them. And then the only time I ever dealt with any of that was, like, my, I have a couple cousins that used to, like, li- literally, like, boy and girl, they used to physically fight nonstop. So, like, that's my only real memories of, like, kids growing up dealing with that. Like, I have nieces and nephews, but I wasn't really around them at that age. Like, they lived out of state. So it's, like, you know, it's kind of, like, living – a new life for the first time ever because I've never dealt with a, a three-year-old girl in my life, you know? <laughs> how's that How's that changed your whole lifestyle? So, I mean, prior to fatherhood, I mean, you lived a pretty wild lifestyle and I would assume that, I you know, still you, do. you still do. <laughs> but, I mean, how, how's that changed for you? With my career, it's like I don't have to really do anything during the day besides, like, when I do Shade 45, I have to go in the city a little early and I usually have a meeting in the city. But besides, like, meetings, it's... You know, at this point, my management handles a lot of that. So I'm, like, blessed to be able to be with my kid from, like, the moment she wakes up until I go to the studio at night. And I don't go to the studio until probably, like, 9, 9.30 and she's asleep. So it's, like, I'm with her, like, a lot of the time. So it's, like, that's definitely, a, um, you know, a, a, a luxury for me because I get to see everything and, you know um, – you know, a lot of my friends in the same situation work in the city and they got to go to jobs and like be in the office all day. They get home, they see the kid for like an hour. So it's definitely like a, a, you know, it's a privilege to be able to be with her all day and see, you know, the the growth every day. And, um, you know, like you asked what's changed. It's like I used to tour like 200 days a year. Now it's like I only do my own stuff. Like I don't DJ for, I used to DJ for Joey Badass. I DJ for Q-Tip, all, the, all kinds of people. But now it's like, 
I don't leave town unless it's my gig and it makes sense for me. You know what I mean? Like my time is way more uh, important at home now. And plus, honestly, like I like being in the studio more than anything now. So I like to be able to just go to the studio every day when she goes to sleep. And being on tour for months at a time is not the move when you know you're getting older. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm 36 now. I started doing that when I was 22. So it's like it got old. So that, that's like the biggest thing in my life that's changed is the the travel. So, so you don't when when you do travel, how long do you know are you away, and how is that disconnect with your daughter when it, when it does come time for you to hit the road somewhere? I mean, Facetime has been you know amazing mm. because we didn't uh, you know all, a lot of my friends that have kids didn't have that when their kids were that age. So it's like being able to talk to them a couple times a day is amazing. Um, the longest I've been away since she's been born is probably like ten days, um, but. That's like maybe once or twice. Like most of the time I go for a weekend. I, I go for like – like I was actually in Cuba last weekend and that was interesting because there's no real internet there. So it was like that was the first time I haven't been able to FaceTime like that. Hmm. But like most of the time I, I go away, do a gig, maybe stay an extra day or two. Like I'll do a little Europe run for like four or five days and come back. Like not, nothing extensive. You you still with the – you and the baby's mother together? Yeah, we – um. You know, we've been through a lot, but we're definitely in the same house now and trying to, you know, get things back to the way they were. So she's supportive and and when you do travel and all that, is that everything kosher there? She doesn't have to work. She just takes care of the kids. So, like, that's kind of like the way it's been set up since way before the baby was born. What does your daughter think about the music side of things? Do you have her come into the studio and and that kind of stuff? She's in the studio with me. She's on my last album. Um, you know, she just, she's all about music and she, she loves scratching and making beats and stuff. Even though I never, I never wanted her to be a DJ or do any of that, but like, she like sees me do it and sees other people and her aunt and her uncle, you know, her uncle's Tony touch. So she sees him and you know, his girl, Sony. And it's just like, she's just surrounded by it that she loves it so much. So if she ended up wanting to DJ, it's all good, but I never wanted her to do that. So like a lot of people are like, Oh, she's gonna be a DJ. I'm like, nah, no, she's not. But definitely gonna be into music like she she loves singing her mother sings so hopefully she starts taking singing more serious i want her to take like instruments more serious so we were talking go ahead manny no i was gonna say what do you think about the state of of fatherhood just in the in the in the hip-hop game right because i think one of the big reasons why we decided to get together and, and do this was um you know there's a there's a stigma against hip-hop culture as it relates to fathers and the narrative if you believe it is that they're all always absentee never really about their kids and i mean we've seen firsthand that that's not always the case so how, how do you see it with the artists that you work with and and just the industry at large from your perspective um i gotta like my immediate circle everybody's great dads and i see like the the divide because like a lot of them their dads weren't around and like I've, I've seen both sides of it i try not even to be, associate people with any that ain't involved in their kids lives but i also do know it's it's not always that easy um i don't want to say no names but i know some like really high profile like celebrities that i've had like deep conversations with that don't really get to see their kids and it's super frustrating because when they say their side of it, it's like, damn, like I know it's not always that easy. I know a lot of people that can't see their kids in general that it really hurts because they're they're good people and you know, it's easy to be like, Oh, anyone that doesn't see their kids a piece of shit or whatever, like it, right. it, you gotta really know the both sides of the story. So it's like and my, like I said, in my immediate camp, like I got dudes like Terminology who has good dad gang and has yeah. two, he's there for them. Um, you know, my friend one of my good friends, Banford, he's my kids uh godfather like everybody in my immediate camp is like amazing dads but i have i have dealt with like dealing you know i wish i could say names but i can't because i would never break that confidentiality but it's definitely people you know that like you've probably heard things about that it's just so you know both dudes and both fathers and mothers can be real evil when it comes to using the kid as a as a you know tool yeah and i I think the stigma goes back to like 
just people in general when when a lot of artists would would rap about groupies or or, or cock and bitch or whatever it's just it just seemed like people were busting nuts not caring the consequences right. and then you know and they, they would joke about like oh i got possibles and kids and blah 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 and i think that's where the negative stigma came from when really most of these guys are even saying that really and truly weren't living that type of lifestyle that we're taking care of words, though, like we come from a different generation though. yeah being more conservative with like having kids and you know even in like the 90s dudes were having 10 rappers would have like 10 kids you still hear about it once in a while but not the way it is now and and now if you look at it like you can still have that like pimp gangster like image and still be a good dad like look at some like two chains raps about that yeah i was thinking two chains yeah and he's like the ultimate dad he got like what like three four kids he just got married recently and he's just like he's a stand-up dude like you can tell he's a family man he does the right thing look at fat joe look at Khaled. like everybody you look at now that has their kids on social media which is always a some people don't like doing it some people do and i've dealt with like both sides of my mind telling me if I should or shouldn't put her as much on social media being in the spotlight but if you look at it now I feel like we have so many you know nothing but great dads to look up to when, when at least on the side of what's being shown to us you know well, you th- actually you wait sorry Kate, yeah go ahead is it going to relate it to this uh, yeah but go ahead I, 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 no I was going to say I think that's a good segue because it's something that that I've kind of thought about a lot is, is the whole social media aspect and, and one of the people that really blew it out the water was Khaled you know, and where he's taking it to where his kid basically is set for life right now. And, you know, you just got to wonder, is there, what's the downside to that? You know, there obviously has to be a downside to it. Definitely a risk of like, what's that going to do to the kids, you know? Narcissism. (laughs) Yeah, but beyond that, like that, you know, we don't know what kind of damage that's going to do to a kid being like, we've never seen a baby go from famous. No, that's, that's, yeah, that's, that's new. That's like Michael Jackson was famous from like six years old. And look what (laughs) right camera and social media is a whole different kind of evil now because we never really seen anyone get raised on social media. Yeah, so I mean, hopefully, you know, Khaled and and the whole family there, they he has prepared and they have a plan. You know, yeah, no, his girl's amazing. So, so you know, but but we, you know, that's just something like even just not even like on that level, like just. I'm gonna grab my charger real quick. My computer's gonna die at one percent. I'm gonna grab my charger. Yeah, you're good. But and we'll continue here. But even on some normal, damn, who's the, the feedback? I think I it's uh, static speaker. So let's just let's just static wait. Got, static got the static. Hey, <laughs> what's up? How are you? And and tell the people your name. What's your name? Hi. And who's your favorite rapper? <laughs> and what is Biggie Smalls? Uh-oh. He's the. L- <laughs> oh. <laughs> Let's bring it back in. He's like, I don't want the social media game. <laughs> she said he's the illest. Click. <laughs> be a little, don't press like, anything. It's a be a little late night edit, editing session. <laughs> that was dope. <laughs> we'll keep that. Stop pressing buttons. Oh, <laughs> oh man. <laughs> Let's see what timeout looks like. Thought, yeah, we kind of have to keep this in. Yeah, here. we're going to keep it. We're going to keep that. <laughs> no. <laughs> Stop. All right, Static. Got- we're, we're, we're seeing discipline in action right now. You <laughs> <laughs> keep cutting them off. So, so, Harley, Biggie Smalls is the illest? Yeah. Where do you live? And, hey, talk to me. No, where do you live? <laughs> No, where do you live? In Brooklyn. Uh, Brooklyn. Nice. And it's you like Brooklyn? Yeah, yeah I talk to you. Talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> Me? Who? Who? The guy? The guy Boy, with the, the beard? Guy. Who? The guy that looks like Santa Claus? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you got the studio named after you, Harley's House of Hits. Yeah. yeah. What do you do with the studio? Yeah. What? What? Don't press anything. Okay. <laughs> okay, I will. <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> Bye. Bye. See ya. That's funny. Yeah, thank you. So, Static. Yo, how, how do you... Damn, K, go, what? man. You've been trying to ask something. Nah, it's all, good. it's all good. I just wanted to find out... Um, I mean, this is all in the, in the vein of the conversation, but... 
content-wise, what what do you let her listen to, and what we will you let let her listen to in the future, just in terms of language and content and she all that stuff? She doesn't really like. She knows um, she she knows Biggie Smalls, the illest. She knows a couple of Biggie songs, but I play the clean versions. But she she knows some of my music. Besides that, we listen to like Michael Jackson and like Stevie Wonder and. The other day, like the way she is attracted to, like we were watching the Quincy Jones documentary. She was playing; she wasn't paying no attention, and Ray Charles started singing, and she just stopped everything and looked at the TV and was just quiet for like five minutes and watched the whole thing while he was singing. And I could just tell it like it grabbed her a certain way. Hmm. So, and, and so you you play clean versions of of hip hop. I assume what your music is it also the clean version, or do you let the yeah, the I, don't the, I don't play her the bad songs. Like she, she knows a couple of the records that are more positive. Got it. Like I actually want to do a mixtape that's like something that you know parents can play for toddlers. That's like famous hip hop songs. That'd that be a good idea. Yeah. Oh, in we, fact, I forgot that tape. That I'm gonna find that tape. Keep talking, guy. <laughs> yeah, we we actually uh, in the previous episode we were talking about exactly that, uh, but from a playlist perspective, yeah. like putting some stuff together. Yeah, because my son always wants to hear songs and, you know, we'll be putting stuff on in the car and we're listening and then it's like, don't always get the uh, clean versions and once the fucks and shit start flying, we're like, ah, damn. <laughs> she, she, know, like, she knew, you know, Prodigy. Prodigy lived next door to us and, and um, she knew, like, she knew Combat Jack. She, she like, been around so many people that I have to explain to her later, like, how important they were to, to what I do. Hmm. But, um, you know, I definitely gonna show her the importance of some of the people. Like, like definitely Prodigy. He's someone that meant a lot to me. That even before I knew him, meant a lot. I can't wait to explain like who these people were that were part of her life like that. Even Sean Price, like his second to last post, was a picture of her when like she was like two weeks old when he died. It's just crazy. Man. Didn't didn't he give you some advice? I remember you telling me that he gave you some advice about uh, you yeah, know once once she was born. He was just like, you know, um, calling your daughter from a police station is not cool. He's like, you got to put your pride aside. Because, you know, Sean comes from a very uh, short-tempered mentality, which I, you know, I come from fighting in Boston and then moving to New York. And just like, literally, we used to fight a lot. Like, even a couple of years ago, like, too much. You know, I, I avoided jail too many times. I ended up in jail too many times. But... He gave me like that speech, and I was like, "All right, Sean, I get it, like definitely." And I agree with him. But then he died like that. I don't even know. Probably three days after he gave me that speech, and it was just like, "Dang." So I like tried to do that for him, and obviously for her. But just the res- like, he took that conversation so serious. And a guy like Sean Price, all he does is rap about slapping dudes and beating people mm-hmm. up. That's like, he was like, "No, like dead ass, like you know, your your pride isn't worth, you know." taking the L you know you're not taking the L no more your, your kid is yeah and he had you know Sean has two um well he has an older boy and his I think his son's like like 18 19 years old but he said when he had little Sean his daughter he like that's when everything changed for him because like you know like going back to what we were talking about just having a daughter is a lot different have you and you mentioned you when you have to explain you know these these people to your daughter has has she in any respect experience or, or have you had to have that, that discussion around like death right like a member of the family or somebody close like how how has that gone if, if you've experienced it multiple times i mean whenever she sees pictures i mean her grandmother my grandmother her great-grandmother passed not too long um well she passed about two years ago now but harley was just starting to talk and figure it out and um you know, like I said, Prodigy, like she was there when I was going all these funerals. And then this past week with Mac Miller, she, like she was like, she's like, your friend died? He went to heaven? I'm like, yeah. And she's like, um. like, where did you hear that? And she's like, my, uh, she she calls her grandmother Manya. She's like, Manya taught me that. And I was like, really? I didn't even know she knew about all that. She's like, you know, I personally don't. I'm not religious or anything, but, you know, her grandmother taught her that. So now every time she sees somebody, like she'll come to the studio and have a Sean Price bobblehead. And she'd be like, that's your friend? He died? Why he died? Sick. Oh, he's like, you go to heaven though. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Like it's just it's crazy how they stop. Rationalizing. But but it's not she she doesn't go through it from a it's an inquisitive thing. It's yeah. not like not an a, emotional not a set, thing. yeah. Yeah. Hmm. 
Yeah, we, 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 we were talking about that a little while ago, too, uh, just how that whole thing pans itself out. And I, I guess age is a big, obviously a big piece of that, because the older they are, the more attachment there is and there's more sensitivity there. Do you, do you guys remember? My girl actually brought this up. It's funny. This this morning, she asked me if I remembered the age that I, you know, understood what death was. Do you guys? I don't remember. Do you, do you guys remember that? Mm, no, I don't think so. I, I, th- I, I think remember. I started getting... She remembers. She said it was devastating when she realized, you know, that's it. You know, you died. It was sometime in elementary school for me that, and and I think it was just I started getting nervous about my mom dying at some point because she was, I was, you know, I was a only child and single mom. And so she worked a lot at nights too. So I'd always be worried about like uh, something happened to her when she's driving home late at night, that kind of stuff. And that's, that's where like the whole death thing clicked in for me but I, you know, some some sometime around elementary school yeah i guess it's probably the same for me you, you were gonna say something static uh, i was just saying i think the first time i ever dealt with death was like when my turtle died and i was like eight i didn't have anyone close to me die until like 11 years old and then after that i feel like it's been like every year so many people since then Shit. Oh. it seems like now for some reason like people are just dying left and right it's it's crazy it's crazy, man. Right, do you have certain things that, um, and we've talked about this amongst ourselves in other episodes, but are there certain things from your childhood or, or ways of parenting that, that, you're, that you've looked at from, from you growing up and saying, uh, I'm not doing that, you know, I'm going to do, do, do X, Y, and Z a different way because it left a negative impact on you? I mean, I was a pretty serious kid. Like, I took... Like I, I decided I was gonna be a DJ when I was thirteen and I like never before that I was still into music and like very, you know, a- addicted to it. But like when I was like from the day I decided I was gonna do this, like I literally never like it was never like a thing I'm oh I'm gonna take a break, I'm gonna do this. Like I took it so serious that like kids in my high school were like, Yo, come come party and I was like, Nah, I'm gonna stay in and scratch or make a mixtape or act like I was on the radio or I actually started doing radio when I was fourteen, so it was like I just always took it so serious that I think I'm going to put that drive in there. I don't want to, like, bang into her head, like, on some, you have to decide what you want to be when you're 13. But I think she's naturally going to just, like, go in a musical direction. And if she doesn't, it's all good. But I, like, I just, I think taking um, your teenage years more serious than, like, others do is important because that saved my life. Like, I saw a lot of people, even that wanted to do the same thing as me, they didn't take it serious until later. And it's like, it just, you know. What it, what advice, though? Because we did talk about this, and we were saying, like, being that we are in the industry, what we thought about, you know, our kids following in those footsteps. Like, what kind of advice would you give your daughter, knowing that the hardships that in any kind of, you know, entertainment business or the arts, there's a lot of hardships. What kind of advice would you give her? Um, I think a lot of that's going to come as situations come. You know what I mean? Like, she's going to see a lot of those very early because she's just so surrounded by it. Like, her whole family is just... It's its just the way it's going to be. I haven't really thought that far ahead as far as... I think every instance is going to have a different, uh, you know, explanation. But I also think that, like I said, being able to be there and not have... Like, she doesn't have babysitters. She doesn't have any of that. Like, dealing with every situation, I just, you know, knock on wood, hopefully I'm just around long enough to be, you know, her, her guide with a lot of that stuff. I don't know. We're still trying to figure out schooling and all that. I'm kind of on the fence if I wanted to go to a, you know. Like public school? Or even like a private school. We're just figuring everything out. Or school, (laughs) period. Homeschooling school to a certain extent. But I have someone that works with me. And like sometimes it bugs me out because I'll say something to him. And he'll he'll be like, I'm trying to think of a good example. But just something so, like, obvious that we learned in school growing up, like, he won't even know it. And I'll be like, wait, why don't you know that? And he'll be like, I was homeschooled. And I'll be like, oh, shit, there's a flip side. <laughs> no, yeah. there's definitely a social aspect yeah, that yeah, you the, learn in, yeah, the pros in being and cons around other that. kids. Yeah. So what? I'm trying to figure everything out. But we got a little time. But we got we to make a decision about school in the next, like, six months. Yeah, because at four, you got to start with preschool and whatnot. That's yeah, the plan. She has friends that are three already going to like pre pre preschool, mm. and yeah. she got, got her to a um, to an interview at Montessori, 
and she got denied because like the kids were supposed to be like cleaning up the toys and she was like throwing stuff around and just like drawing them like wood and stuff i'm like you can't. <laughs> wait <laughs> yeah yeah I, saw, I took my son to montessori one time just to check it out and you know and all the kids were just so quiet and moving around and you know snack time and the, the teacher yeah, explain said, for people who don't know what that is though the montessori thing I want to say it's like I don't I don't really know how to describe it. It's like really early. Uh, it's, it's more focused on because I'm just learning about it myself. Actually, my neighbor just told me that she teaches at one of those schools. Well, out here it's like a lot of like in Brooklyn, like it's like twenty six thousand a year for yeah. three. All you need but, to know is it's, it's expensive. <laughs> well, no, I already knew that. Just one, one of my close alone. friends grew up going to it, and he was like he he was like lower class, so I don't know how he went to it because I guess it like depends which one you go to, different prices and all that. Maybe they but have programs. They do scholarships too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't know. I just it's, know that it's basically more <laughs> focused on the kid as opposed to like the the teacher, like as like in a traditional more classroom individual, setting. Individual, like yeah. So like, teaching. there's no front front of the classroom. It's basically the kids come in and then they kind of they go in and figure out what's interesting to them and they start working on those projects. That in, no in grades, kind of in right? A, what's That's funny is I'm not sure about that. It's like right in front of the Montessori school that we went to. So like the park's right in front, and I I bring her over. You know, all their basically all the kids that go there, most of their parents work. Like, you know, most people no, work in general. No, normal, normal. Right. Ah, right. <laughs> but I'll go over to the park like those hours while they're there, and you know they go outside of the park. It's part of the school. They go out, you know, for like forty five minutes a day or whatever. And I'll have Harley over there, and we'll be playing on the swings and the slide and all that, and. The people that got the kids, it's like three three adults for like, you know, 25, 30 kids. They're oh. not even paying attention. It's little kids falling off the slides, falling off the jungle gym. I'm like, Damn. I don't, and, you know, if I'm paying that kind of money, I want my kid to be. Yeah, safe. Safe. Sure. And they're like, you know, it was, it was weird, man. I don't know. I'm happy she's not going there. Like I what, said, everyone's different, but. What's your, like. Because, I mean, we we, t- we look at this podcast as like our therapy session because, I mean, you know, we, we always talk about all the different things we go through as dads. And I'd love to ask you, like, what what has been like the most challenging moment you face while raising Harley so far? Um, right now, it's a mix between definitely the disciplining thing and and also potty training has been a pain in the ass. And Ooh. I know other people that have had it easier, but we're having a hard time with it. Yeah, let me like introduce you. Check out, check out episode, episode two of Fatherhoods. <laughs> <laughs> All about potty training. She'll hide in a closet or she'll go like in a dark area. And like, uh, and just when, you know, when she has to do number two, when she does, she'll be like, I got to pee. We'll be in a restaurant. She'll, we'll bring her to the bathroom. She goes pee. But as soon as it's time for number two, like she's just very private about it. And would you know, her friends already are wearing panties and not wearing pull-ups no more. She's like the only one that she hangs out with her in her age group that still does it. So it's getting aggravating. But does she does she tell you why she prefers not to, or is it kind of she's no. completely like shut off about it? Even though she gets treats when she, like we did the whole treat thing, if she goes in the in the toilet, we'll give her you know a ice cream or like a, a cupcake or something, and she just. It's not, not having it. You know what? She was doing great, and we went on a trip to Puerto Rico, and like we were like, whatever, we're in Puerto Rico. She can wear diapers the whole time, and we didn't like stress it, and that kind of like just set us back months. Mm. Yeah, kids, kids see. Yeah, those, those things can because kids are at least from my understanding is they thrive on the consistency of like when you're trying to teach them stuff. So if there's if there's breaks in in the routine then yeah things can go a little little haywire and i would imagine there's always going to be breaks in the routine especially lifestyles like ours yeah yeah so so you mentioned something uh static early in the conversation where um as part of your disciplining disciplining uh you you got down to her level when when you put her in timeout that's it's an interesting dynamic because i mean it's something that uh, it's not immediately noticeable for somebody to think of, but it is probably the best way to do it because you're getting at that level. Was that something just inherent or like were you reading about my stuff? Mother, uh, my mother and her – my mother has seven, uh, 
seven brothers and sisters, so like she's been dealing with, you know, their grandchildren for years, and she helped raise my brother and sister, even though they're not hers, and like they have kids, so she's been dealing with like toddlers for a long time, but she's the one that like really stayed on us about getting down to her level and you know explaining to her what she did wrong and all that. Yeah, we do that. We we do that too. We learned that. I don't remember where we learned that from, but that was an early on thing that we learned to to help get the point across is to crouch down and get at their level. That that's one of those things that I actually read uh, about where usually it was like in, you know gut stuff with respect to like how to treat and raise a kid. That's something I read. And I was like, "Oh shit, that makes all the sense in the world." Did you end up doing it, Manny? <laughs> I do, I do. He read that shit, man. Yeah, ah, fuck it. Nah. <laughs> I was like, ah, fuck that. Nah, nah, I do it. I do it. I, I shake the shit out of my son, though, sometimes, and I got to chill. Oh, man. I don't, I, don't hit him. I don't hit him, but, like, yo, sometimes I just got to be like, yo, what the fuck? And then he gives me the wide eyes, and I'm like, all right, put him down. Keep it moving. That's that Dominican shit. Hey, bro. Sometimes, you know what I mean? I told you a long time ago. I used to take her and, and like, I'd be like, you want to get baby slammed? And she'd be like, no. And I used to take her and, like, throw her on the bed. Now she's like, yeah, slam me. Yeah, and more. Like, All day. She's like, slam me on the couch. Slam me on the bed. She loves being thrown on the pillow. So I, I read about that, actually, that, um, like, there's a whole thing about physical play for kids. Like, that there's a lot of kids these days that are coming up that don't get any of that kind of interaction. And so they, oh, okay. they I forget what the whole thing is, but they that lack in something. But, but. But yeah, I mean the like kids need a certain amount of that like physical wrestling and play with their parents and stuff. And nowadays, and that, it's just not a lot of that. It goes to like with bullying and all that. Like I feel like when we growing up, bullying like made us like you know prepared for the world and yeah, like. Yeah. That. But you know, and you want to be like oh, but like my attitude was like oh, bullies were always a good thing. The thing is now is with social media. It becomes yeah. a different. It goes thing. further than the school. It goes further yeah. than the playground. That's the problem. Everything's it's just a whole different world now because yeah. you know with anything, everything's just so sensitive and like you got to just be careful on what you tell your kids to say. Uh, it's it's a whole new experience, man. Even like being on, you know, I'm on Shade Forty Five, which is like literally uncensored, but there's certain things that sometimes slip out that we got to be like, damn, we got to watch it because like you know coming up. You know, a lot of uh, crazy words were being thrown around that were fine on the radio. Howard Stern was throwing them around, like you yeah. know, like saying the fag word and things like that. In hip hop, it was normal, and like rappers were saying it. Every rapper you ever heard said the word, and now mm-hmm. it's a complete like taboo, like off the chart thing. And it's like, you know, even with like media and like, I'm not that I was gonna say words like that around my daughter. I'm just saying in general. Like, it's kind of the same thing talking about bullying that now even what people are saying on TV is get like people are losing their jobs off the things they used to do. Yeah. The politically correctness is out of control. And, exactly. and you know, imagine on Drink Chance, I'm scared all the time the next day. I'm like, oh, damn. Yeah. What the hell are we yeah, talking are we about? <laughs> like, my show, we're drinking. It's like, yeah. You know, nothing, everything we're saying is, is said with no harm intended. But right, like, right. It's like, especially in the Trump era, too, it's like, Man, thank God we can talk shit about Trump. This is like, <laughs> there's other radio shows that I've seen like people get letters like, yo, you, you cannot. Uh, the I don't want to say who, but other DJs have got letters like you can't talk shit about Trump. Like it's against policy. I actually have to. What we actually have to watch what we say about that around my son because then he goes around and repeats it, and you know everyone's got different views, and you right, know, when you're out right. in public, so it's like, it's also like letting him understand. Like, look. What we talk about at home doesn't necessarily mean you have to repeat everything because everyone believes different things and lives a different way. So, you know. Well, Harley's Puerto Rican, so she already hates Trump with a passion. <laughs> <laughs> we, we don't limit our Trump hatred. Her Puerto side is automatic. <laughs> nah, like we, a lot of her family got, you know, devastated in Puerto Rico. So there's no, I don't, I don't care what she says about him. She hates him. <laughs> Yo, uh, talking about the social media stuff again, um, you saw what what Kanye said recently, right? About him thinking that they should abolish the view count and the follow count. I'm not mad at that. The only thing is, is it's like, who's gonna be like? How are you gonna even filter the personalities on social media if there's no gauging why they're known for it? You know what I mean? Like, well, I think I mean, it it it's a good idea. I just think it's a little too late for that because 
it's way there's too so late. much there's so much industry on a positive side like independence you know from the gatekeepers that social media having those numbers but there might be ways to circumvent that. Like you can maybe have a back end that you can show. Think about how many like like people wouldn't be famous if they didn't get likes on Instagram. Right. That's crazy. Yeah. But but what he's saying yeah, makes yeah. sense. Is, like like so, for our kids basically is that, is what I'm thinking. Like like I don't want them to grow up in a place where they think the only validation they have is how many people follow them on a social. Imagine a kid in in, in elementary now because that's where it's at now already in elementary school wondering about social media you know numbers like that's crazy to me. Well, just and think then, about what they're doing in China. Your social metric it's numbers. Not gonna be Facebook or Instagram in the next like ten years, though. It's gonna be some next level. Oh, it's gonna be some other shit. Yeah, yeah. We it's don't gonna be like integrated yeah. in people's bodies. Well, like, no, you, you 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 know what they're doing in China, right? That that basically your your social metrics and your social numbers uh, reflect like the higher and that you have like a positive status. status affects how you're gonna be able to rent an apartment, buy a house, the money, the all fuck. that stuff. Dude, that's yeah. ridiculous, man. Yeah, that is ridiculous. Why, there's, you guys watch Black Mirror on Netflix? Nah. nah, I need to see that. So there's an episode that has that in it, but they're actually doing that in China, or at least rolling that out. So that's kind of scary to think about for kids in the future. Because you see all kinds of dumb shit in on social now, and so you asked what was one of the biggest challenges is like really accepting that you're bringing a new life into this world that's about to get crazier and crazier. Because technology alone is gonna just implode everything when it comes down to it. Like things are getting too advanced, and you know every year, what do they say? Things get like a hundred times quicker every year. It's gonna be. Yeah, it's like where can it even go? Like that 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 was my hesitation in having kids up till now, and and now my girl wants to have a second one. Terminator, just so just so our kid isn't an only child like us. Yeah. So I I don't know, man. I just can't imagine. I don't what mind her being an only child. Like we went, Me neither, we had a very, I was an only child. We had a very rough two pregnancies, and like the second one, thank God, you know Harley was born. So it's like she, her mother's done. So and I'm cool with that, but like you know. I think being an only child, you know, it's, it's a double-edged knife. It can definitely uh, be – it can help you as much as it can hurt you. So I'm not mad at it. But. Well, maybe in these social days having that extra friend, yeah. you know, that, that blood, would, wouldn't hurt. Because maybe if you're an only child, maybe you start to rely too much on these social services to have, you know, friends and family in your mind. Well, so I, I guess it boils back down to the parenting and how, how you know – how much you let that into the kid's life and how it, how it, you're able to monitor that. It's about substance. Like, a lot of people, you know, they're just not living in the real time anymore. They're, they're looking at their phones all day. Even if they're in a club, they could be in the – they could be at Coachella and they're on their phone. Like, people aren't living in real time. So it's like you got to just teach. They're living for their phone or for the, the social platform. They're not living it anymore. That's and the I'm, unfortunate I'm, part. Know, I'm definitely a, a hypocrite because I'm. It's hard, bro. No, no, we're all, no I mean, we all are. We yeah. all live like this is. I, I had these conversations because my lady's ten years younger than me, so when when we started dating and she was using social media in a way that I wouldn't use it, you know, like kind of like diary style. Yeah. And I'm just like, how could you even do that? Like, I'm just like, and then she's like, but who are you to talk? You're on this shit all the time, and I'm like, yeah, but I'm looking at myself as a as an entertainer, as a marketer. You know, I'm using it as, I, I, you know, I'm doing certain things to get certain amount of followers because I need certain amount of eyeballs on what I'm promoting. Yeah. So I'm looking at it differently. Now, obviously, there, there's a hypocritical side to that. But and imagine that's her generation and then the generation before her and then the generation growing up now. Like, to them, it's all encompassing. I was watching some shit that in um, Bangladesh or one of these fucking countries, they introduced Facebook and it's like their Internet. And they live life oh, by Facebook. Yeah, yeah, no, I just, it was, an, uh, was it on... Um... I was it on uh, John? Um, what's it called? This week with John? Uh, John Seymour. Oliver, right? Oliver, Oliver, John Oliver said. Seymour. Yeah, you saw that, right? John Seymour, John Oliver. Uh, yeah, it was. How you say it starts with an M? It's like uh, Myanmar. Myanmar. Yeah, yeah. They yeah. had the problem with the Muslims, and they were hating all Muslims based off everything they were seeing on Facebook. It was. Cause... It's ridiculous. They basically said there was like two people that spoke the language that worked for Facebook in yeah. general. So, like, basically all this hate towards Muslims was being spread off of, like, false information. And it was starting this, like, what are you doing? Holding <laughs> <laughs> yeah. your hands. Um, the the, the five-minute you know, <laughs> five mark. <laughs> you got to definitely watch it. I suggest anyone out there watch it. The people, yeah, yeah, it definitely Harley. underscores everything we're saying about social media. 
So, so static. What what is it that I mean? I think we kind of covered it, but fears wise, right? But like, what is your biggest fear as it pertains to to her growing up and developing? Is it like technology or nah, I'm not worried about her with technology. I'm just just yeah. state of the world's really I, like. I think about it all the time. Like, if things break, you know, things get crazy. I move to like Canada or Vermont or something. I'm like. I'm thinking about getting my Canadian passport because I'm like a generation of You ever tried that? You ever tried that? <laughs> you ever tried that? Who is that? Who is that? Dude, who is that? Dude, who is that? That's Harley. Can you say hi to Harley? Come here. Can you say hi to Harley? Yes. It's the kids takeover. Hello, Harley. Hi. <laughs> Now it's childhoods. You're static. Be, right, keep, keep it a buck. Do you bite her cheeks? All right. I think the kids are telling us it's time to. Dad. My daughter got chunky cheeks. Boy, I get in them. I can't. But your daughter. My daughter? She's upstairs. <laughs> you want to talk, talk to my daughter? <laughs> Alright. Her mom's calling me for dinner too. Yeah. So we gotta jump. <laughs> but look, I'm gonna take a picture and put it on. We'll put it on IG. But this is the old compilations that are all. Oh, yeah, Rap Masters. I remember oh, those. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I remember those. They got the different the comedy ones, the, the, the gangster ones, and they're all clean versions. Dope, dope. Hey, Static, we appreciate it, man. Thank you for uh, rapping with us. I appreciate you guys. Take it easy, brother. Thank you, man. Have a good night. All right, man. Take care. Later. See you guys. <laughs> hey.